Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is the newly appointed interim mayor, Sean Van Gordon. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Springfield, Oregon had in back in August, uh, uh, Mayor Christine Lundberg resigned. And you at the time were sitting on city council. The seat came up and your name started being tossed around as, as probably the most viable option. And uh, a lot of people in my circle were excited one of the big things is because you are a non-affiliated voter. And so you are somebody that represents Springfield really well because you understand sides, you know, from both the left and the right. Is that correct? Yes. And I actually think um, there's most of the councils actually non-affiliated. It's not really common in city councils to talk about what your partisan affiliation is. Right. And it's an, and, and is, is, so is mayor. Mayor is supposed to be, a, is that correct? It's a correct. non-affiliated. It's a non-affiliated. Yep. And when I say viability, I don't know if it was, I don't want to put anyone else under the bus. I just think it was something that you were like, I want to take this challenge, you know? And, and so I started tuning into the city council meetings a little bit here and there. I haven't gone to all of them because they're all remotely. And we're going to talk about that a lot today. And I just kind of started to learn about this process and get to know you a little bit behind the scenes. And I have to say, we won't get into the details of this, but you have shown me your, uh, approachability. And I really admire that. There was a situation that happened on my block. I am a precinct committee person in Springfield and a neighborhood leader for the democratic party. And there was something that happened that I needed some help from some, somebody that had a little bit more no know-how. And so I reached out to you and you, you were like, Oh, I'm a little busy. Can I get back to you? And it was like within hours that you got back to me. And I thought it was really impressive. And so I'm first of all, honored to have you on the show. Congratulations on the appointment. This is, this is really cool. And I think that you're going to be a really good person for this position. So this is great. So let's get started. So, you know, quick, easy question. What does it mean to you to be selected as mayor? Well, it, it, mean, it means a lot. Um, I think it's a real honor to be able to represent this community as, as the mayor. Um, it was, it all happened for, for how long this, this process went on. The end actually went by pretty quick. But it really just it, it means a lot to me sort of personally. And, you know, it means a lot to be able to sort of work out and talk and just talk to the community about a variety of different issues we're facing and kind of work on. Sometimes it's cheerleading. Sometimes it's, co- you know, providing some advice about who to contact. And sometimes it's, you know, policy making around, you, you know, with the, with the council. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this challenge and really, really uh, glad, glad to be here. You know, January 19th, the, so the mayor's resignation 
the, the previous mayor resigned in August. And there and there's a lot of reasons that it took a lot of time because city council is who appoints the, the replacement, which is now mm -hmm. you. And I understand why you were kind of holding out. You know, you were like, let's wait until January because I don't want to lose my seat as city council. You know, because if you it, then that gets murky. We're also going to talk about how there is an opening now for your for your seat on city council at the end of this. So you, you were appointed on Jan, on January 19th. And I thought it was kind of funny that you kind of got overshadowed by Joe Biden a little bit, <laughs> you know, the next day that it was that it was the, the inauguration was the 20th. And so in the news cycle, this is why it was cool that this happened, uh, you know, about two weeks ago that you were appointed. And the news cycle, I think it kind of got buried in local coverage. And so that's why I'm really glad that we can have you on to talk about this because there was so much going on and they're, and they're constantly. Oh, yeah. So this is really good. And to have a long form conversation, I think is great. This is why podcasts are great. Now, what is it about Springfield that you love? Um, the way I describe it to people is right. When it's the people, right? Like that, you know, it's, we're so, so sort of salt of the earth and practical by, na by nature and optimistic and willing to sort of work together and get things done. You meet people about Springfield and Spring and Springfield talks about, you know, the city, like, and just sh kind of shakes its head and smiles and just says, there's something about this place that makes it special to us. And that's always been really appealing to me. You know, uh, I grew up in Springfield. I've lived in Springfield off and on. I've bounced back and forth between Eugene and Springfield, but I moved here when I was 11 years old, which would have been like 93. And uh, then the ducks took off and that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've seen it really, really improve. I've seen some things change in such a better way. Downtown is just beautiful and it's comfortable and it seems relatively safe, as safe as can be. And you know, it was not that way when I was a kid. I mean, there, it was wild downtown. The 420 Club, which was on 420 Main Street, was just a very seedy bar and with some questionable people hanging out. And they've kind of cleaned all that stuff up. And then what they've tried to do with the McKenzie Ballroom, which is what it was back in the day. And now it's an art center. And there's just a lot of really good improvements. And so that is something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, well, and even even when I was back just getting out of college up into the mid 2000s, um, I remember like I used to work the night shift out at UPS, um, like midnight to 11 o'clock. And, you know, my wife would drive clear around. Right. Because, you know, Springfield was not downtown. Springfield was not necessarily the place you wanted to be driving around, you know, at midnight. It was dark. You know, there was shadier elements. And there's a lot of work in the community that has happened between nonprofits and the police and the city and businesses to get us this far. It looks so good. And oh, yeah. obviously everybody's so proud of it. And we're, I'm hoping that it can move a little bit farther East, you know, that maybe we can work on the middle of, of uh, there's so many pockets, but like uh, the 20 block to maybe the 30 block, you know, whatever, there's a lot of empty businesses that I'm not, I could be getting those, those wrong, but like, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of work to be done. So yeah. now what are some areas that you think your predecessor was successful that you'd like to continue working towards? And what are some areas that you'd like to approach differently? So um, I think, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Mayor Lundberg. Um, I think she put a lot of heart and energy into, into the city. And um, really, if I wanted to take just the, the approach, right, the, the approach I would really want to keep from her is just that sort of practicality about how do we move the city forward? Um, you know, right or wrong, right? You can agree with her or disagree with her, but you are always had Springfield's best interest in mind. And I think that's admirable. And I think it's, you know, uh, a credit to, to the kind of, to the kind of leader 
um, that she is. So, you know, Springfield does best when Springfield looks to, to understand where they want to go. And then how do we align that to what happens in the region and what happens in the area? Um, but, you know, Springfield is successful when really we have our unique identity that we don't just sort of approach ourselves as the bedroom community, you know, right next door to Eugene, that we have a direction we want to go as a community. Absolutely. Now, what would you want to do differently? What is, and this might mean more about you than less about her, but what is it you would want to do differently? So, so stylistically, right? Like that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a bigger social media person um, than, you know, and I think that's just difference in, you know, sort of generations. And when you sort of, you know, grow up, I would love to do more of these types of podcasts and just get out there a little bit more. Um, I think it helps bring people along because the city fundamentally is changing. Um, it's actually uh, a pretty diverse city, right? So from, you know, we have a strong, you know, section that's pretty conservative and we have a strong section, you know, that's pretty progressive. And then we have a strong history that, you know, it's our, we have strong blue collar roots as well. So just being able to sort of talk and kind of ground people and how do we move forward. Um, so I want to kind of find my own way, but also really build off of some of the sort of policy ideas that, you know, that, that, that she left. Right. Now, this is I mean, this is a basic thing. But I mean, what is it? That, what is your role as mayor? What does the mayor do? You know, it's a simple question, but it's a complex answer, I'm sure. Yeah. The the Christine told me once and I thought this was funny. Um, I don't know. This might have been five years ago where she said um, that it's a different approach because you're part of the council and I'm, there's only one the mayor. Right. Like and, you know, it's. In our form of government, and remember that we could do a whole podcast on different forms of, of city government. In our form of government, um, the mayor really acts as a figurehead, right? So it's it's really my role. It is run the meetings. It's make appointments to boards and commissions, um, give a state of the city, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, and really provide you know leadership and direction and vision to sort of sort of the broader council and broader community. Now, does that come with a lot of formal, like, you know, I can do X, Y, and Z. No, but really I can guide, I can direct, you know, I can help get, you know, the, the elected officials on the same page and sort of help us make sure we're moving forward in a, in a cohesive manner. So. Yeah. Delegation. Yeah. Delegation is really important in, in any executive position. You know, that's the thing is, is surrounding yourself with good people and making sure that there's accountability. If people do something wrong, then you might have to move on from that, you know, because there is hiring, firing duties. Is that correct? So the council and the mayor hire and fire, we have about three total employees, right? So we have the city attorney works for us, the judge, judge, judge works for us, and the city manager works for us, right? So we evaluate those employees and then those employees hire their staff and actually implement you know, so that there's sort of a professional sort of staff that sort of exercises power, you know, the, the day-to-day administration of the city. And that sort of separates the political and policy discussion away from how, how do you support the staff? Right. Um, so it's, it's really interesting if you ever see an org chart the city produces, and I think this is critical. The number one person, the top of the org chart starts with the public, right? And then you have the public elects the council and the mayor, and then they elect, you know, and they hire the city manager who hires the day-to-day staff from police officers all the way to planning people that you see every single day. Right. I know this is taboo to talk about, but the pay is a stipend, correct? It's not something that there's a lot of, you know, this in a smaller town like Springfield, there's just not this revenue stream 
to have big salaries, you know, and people don't understand that. Well, it's, it's different that for, for the, for the council and and the mayor, the only thing that we get reimbursed for is we get a stipend for our our internet and cell phone. Um, We don't take compensation at all. Um, You know, Eugene does, uh, does pay their folks. Um, But like in, in the city of Springfield, it's, it's specifically banned in the charter. One of the places I'm really lucky is just because of how my job works, right. Is the only reason I would be able to do this. Right. Because, you know, you know, I've got a normal full-time job, you know, I, you know, that, you know, runs from about six in the morning all the way through, you know, two, three o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. So there's, you know, I got a, a nice way to sort of, that's a little bit flexible that can match up with all the, all the requirements. Yeah. And I think I just wanted to mention that, and I'm glad that you're willing to talk about it because I know it's taboo, but at the same time, just people just don't understand that in a small town like Springfield, it is a true example of public service, you know, because yeah. there's not, you're not getting rich off this. You don't have lobbyists padding your pockets, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> not yet. No. So, so you had mentioned the city or the state of the city. One of the duties is, as mayor is to give an address, the state of the city. What is that uh, entail and how can people attend? Will it be remotely? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's going to be remote this year. Um, normally, we would open City Hall, and then we would do it in the council chamber or the Wildish Theater, um, and then it would be a, a, a city event that will, that would be open to the public, where it's essentially, um, you know, there's usually some performances, there's, a, you know, a little bit of snacks, some mingling, and then the centerpiece of that is me delivering an annual message about what is actually going on, you know, what is actually going on in the city? How do we go forward from here? Recognizing business leaders and, you know, individuals and the citizens and sort of describing what, where, where we're at, where we need to go over the next year. Um, but obviously we can't do that. So you, there's no, nobody, nobody's going to be able to have to show up at city hall to attend, but what we will do is it's going to be a pre-packaged. It's going to get dropped on the city's social media packet, you know, and it's going to, uh, and it's going to get dropped on the social media channels. And really that'll be an opportunity for citizens to, and residents to watch it and, you know, provide feedback about where what's going on in the city. So it's going to be pre-recorded, which I actually think is good. That's yeah. good because then the technicalities can be worked out, you know, and we're going to talk about that a little as, as we go along. That's actually a really good way of going about it this time, you know, because uh, presentation can be a little better and that's awesome. And I'll definitely, you know, share that on all of my channels and, and, you know, like you had said, I know that your, your Facebook page for uh, your political stuff is, is kind of getting off the ground and that you're more familiar with that platform. So I'm going to put in the show notes, a link to that page and try to get, I invited a handful of people as well uh, to it. And I, I've, I noticed that the numbers are starting to increase because we're, this is why you're here trying to get the word out that you're now in this position yes. and that you will be reachable and approachable online. Uh, and your email is also, is that, I mean, what's the best way to reach you? Is it social media, email, that kind of stuff? Yes. Um, so if you email me or if, um, if you reach out on social media, I will get back to you at, you know, at some point, obviously, uh, you know, you know, I kind of work through those as quickly as I can, sure. um, and try to get people directed in the right place, but definitely people should reach out. Um, you know, people have my cell number, feel free to call me. Um, and just generally share what's going on. And, you know, I'm always interested to, to see or learn about little nooks in the, in the city where you go, we do that too. Right. Um, so one of the things that you will definitely be talking about, I'm sure in the state of the city is, uh, your goal of getting a new library. 
Yes. So I wanted to talk about this. And there's a program called FESL, which is an acronym for every for every student a library. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think I think there's um, there, there's two parts to this, and really. Um, the city's been looking at, you know, um, looking at a, a new library building for for a while, and it's come come back and forth before council for a while as well. Um, where we left it before the pandemic, and I think this is really uh, the exciting opportunity. I think I think this is the where the where the future of, of that building is going to go. If you ask, if you ask um, uh, Head Start, um, if if you ask the early early learning folks we are missing classroom space, you know, so, you know, to support kids, right? So right now, Head Start kids get sent to Willamette Lane, they get sent, some, some of them get to, sent to Eugene. Um, and really my vision would be to look at a building that combines our need for a library with, you know, space for an early learning center, um, you know, in downtown. It's gonna take a long time to get there, but, you know, if you think about what it's gonna to cost to get to, you know, get it across the finish line, being able to have additional partners that need long-term space and put kids next to a library, seems like a really good idea to me. Sure. And, and to address our, our needs on that early learning side, um, I think would, be, would just make a lot of sense. And then you said, you had told me off air that you wanted to put a library card in every student's hands. So what, yeah. would, that, what would that look like? So, this is actually, um, it comes back to the fact that literacy is at a core of Springfield's values, right? For, for a long time, this community has cared deeply about, you know, literacy in, with kids. And when, um, when you look at where the city limits are, you know, they don't match what the school district is. But those are kids, like those are, so there's kids that are, go to our school districts and our schools that live outside of the city limits. So really what the city start pioneered is a program that would use nonprofit funding for that. Those It's about 700 kids that live outside the city limits, but go to our school districts to make sure that they have a library card. Rotaries support this, you know, um, a lot of community, a lot of the communities support uh, the importance of early, uh, of early learning and literacy, but really we would kind of raise the bar and I would um, on making sure that, if you're a kid in Springfield School District, you should have availability to get a library card. Right. That just makes sense. Digital as well, correct? I mean, yeah. is that something that we could work well, towards? Yeah, in the light, a modern, you, when you and I were kids, right, it was all about physical materials, right? A modern library card covers all the way from, you know, di digital experiences all the way through di databases to help with homework. And I forget the name of this, the skill and training software that, a lot, that, um, that the library would allow that the library now home uh, hosts that you can sort of um, get additional access to classes. Um, you know, they cover like how to program computers, right? So a library card unlocks everything from physical books to digital experiences to classics and kind of music. And that in the library staff, the city is always looking for new sets of services to provide so that it's just a more holistic experience. Right. And then I think that those are sustainable, that once you get it off the ground, it's affordable, you know, you know, instead of having to bring in new books, new books constantly, you can get stuff that's just you, a one time transfer charge, you know, or whatever, however it works. Yeah. In, in an you know, interesting way, I think this is this is it's librarians are really creative in the city. Right. There's a bunch of partnerships um, that go along to make sure people get the access to material. 
But if you really point out, if you really walk into City Hall when it's open, right, the library is kind of gravity in that building, right, because it naturally draws the public in so that we don't just have, we like, our, the center part of City Hall doesn't just look like, hey, look, we're all here doing city business. It looks like a community space, right? With people doing homework, there's families walking around there, and that's overwhelmingly a good thing. Right. So changing gears, this is going to be, uh, we're not going to get into the politics of this. We're just, I just want to hear an update on the Thurston Black Lives Matter protest investigation. We're calling it that. If anybody's unfamiliar, I'm not sure how possible. A lot of us watched the stream. I watched the stream. It was at June or July, but back in the summer, there was a protest uh, over a noose that was hung up in the Thurston area. And there was a Black Lives Matter protest that got pretty ugly, you know, and, and there was a lot of people that saw and these are my words, not yours, <laughs> that saw the reaction from the police was one-sided. Uh, that that's how a lot of the interpretation was. There was a couple arrests that were made and it got pretty ugly, you know? So there is an investigation happening. And what I'd like to know about, and I'd like to, my audience to know about is there's a third party investigator that has been doing this investigation that the city council appointed. Is that correct? City council is who chose that? Uh, it's the city manager who chose the investigator. Okay. City manager. And it's about to come to an end. So can you talk on that just a little bit? Yeah. So this has been going on probably for um, maybe since November's really when they got into the investigation. Um, when I talked to the city manager yesterday, it's getting pretty close to being wrapped up. So it's for the public, it's probably going to be another couple of weeks before they before they see it. But the city's all, all going to take over, like get their work product back here for a while. The, the key is that I think Having an independent investigator look at it gives a framework so that we can sort of, you know, uh, you know, agree on the facts. How do we go forward? Where do we go? Like, where do we go from here um, is is probably the most important step. And the way that I told kind of talk to folks is that whatever the report is, and I have no idea what, what it is, is really the foundation for, you know, trying to understand and navigate the policy and the, you know, and, and the piece around internal, internal to the police department about how do we get better? You know, how do we respond you know, in different ways? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such a difficult thing because there's a lot of emotion and I've mentioned before that I'm not a big fan of stuff getting into neighborhoods, you know, and, and I understand the reasoning and, and that's a whole different conversation we can have another day. Well, and, and I, I think it's I, I I think it's important that like as we're navigating this right to 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 see that you know that it is going to be really hard and it's going to take a lot of nuanced conversations. Some of it is going to be stuff that is going to be in front of council and be talked about. Some of it may be you know personnel stuff that sort of talk through things. But like you know this this the way that I kind of have explained it to people is right that the community is, you know, supports public safety, right? Like, and we support the, the idea that we have community standards and how do we, you know, and I'm not judging anything about the the, the thirst and protest. I'm saying that like, we just have to sort of get the information, get it in sort of talk, like talk collectively through it. Cause that's where, where councils and communities make their best decisions and direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it was, for me personally, it was troubling because at the time there was, I thought we were making, headwaves or of or whatnot of black lives matter and counter protesters i'm just going to call them that that there was on the on the courthouse steps or the uh, library steps there was counter protests and people were starting to kind of hear each other a couple weeks before that and i was actually really inspired by that to see some progress being made where people were 
really making concessions because that's what politics is, is concessions, is making concessions and working together to try to find a be- the best outcome for the most possible people. And so, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's yeah. it's such a nuanced conversation, but I was, I when, the, when the Thurston thing happened, it was it was difficult because I really started to see some progress being made, at least well, in yeah. the community, you know, and so it, it was a tremendous step yeah. backwards. Go ahead. This this thing isn't going to like, you know, they're going to drop, you know, my, my sense is to put as much of the, you know, report out as we we can. Right. Like, I, I you know, obviously I'm not I'm not seen it, but um, but also. Um, understanding that as a community, right, we're still going to have to talk about this thing. We're still going to have to, like, it's not going to be like, oh, look, the report was published and now we're, you know, there's still a ton of work to be done. And I want to make sure it's clear. Like, this community's, like, we started the show talking about how this community goes from right to left, left to right, up down, what, whatever you want to have. Everybody's welcome in this community. Everybody should participate in the political discourse Absolutely. in the community. Political violence is not okay. Absolutely. You know, I agree. And so, yeah. And, and from any angle, that was the big gripe from the people that were out there peacefully protesting. There was, there's a lot of issues from every angle in my opinion, you know, but there was also an imbalance in the, in the way that the policing was being done in my opinion, we'll see what the investigation says and then we'll address this again. So appreciate you at least talking about it a little bit. And it's, it's only so much we can talk about until we see the investigation. That's the thing. And yeah. it's coming soon. So again, that's going to be coming up. It was supposed to be done by the end of January, but you're saying maybe a little bit, maybe another week or two. Yeah. But th- that's the clear piece, right? Like is the investigation is going to give us all the facts, right? It's going to, you know, it's going to come back to the city in another week or two. So I would in your head think probably another couple of weeks after that, before you see something in public, because they have to, people have to look at it and, decide what to do next. And I'll plan ahead on this one that I will try to target that that time frame and try to get a conversation going on the podcast. And maybe I'll get two guests from, from both sides of that. That would be something I'm going to try to see if I can make that happen. So now uh, with you being appointed as mayor, are the terminology... Are You're now mayor, right? Is it interim mayor? Is it interim mayor? I don't know what where that you know, where that decision is made to that you can have to say that. Um, no, um, I actually was going to go back and like clarify to make sure that my understanding and all the document like is it's just mayor, right? That's like the, the, the language shows up as a way to try to distinguish the fact that, you know, hey, I'm filling the role until the next election, but it's not, there's not a different office, right? Like I, I'm, I'm in the office. Well, these are special circumstances because of the fact there was a resignation that then took a long time for an appointment by city council. You know, it's like when there's an election for president, then there's president elect because you still have, but when it's so, yeah. So as the mayor, once you were seated effective immediately as of January 19th, your city council seat was then vacant. Yes. So now in ward one, which is the gateway area, um, there's a vacancy. So we're going to talk on that a little bit about there's going to be a website link in the show notes to this too with more information about this but yeah we're looking for a new city council member yeah and, the, and i when you look at the agenda right like the the thing i would tell people is if you're interested you've got to get the application in. it was a pretty short deadline um you know that it, they're doing city hall monday february 1st so this coming monday wow um and oftentimes my ward is sort of talked about as the gateway ward but the gate the ward goes all the, you know, clear over into Fifth Street and Tenth Street, and kind of, kind of takes a little bit of a jog up, up Fifth Street. So there's part, part of it that exists quite far east. So people in 
parts of the Haven Bridge neighborhood are in, people are in the River Glen neighborhood are in, um, as well as what you would think of as the core, you know, gateway part of that part of the city. Um, so definitely, if you live in that area and you're interested, please take a second and, and, and look. Um, because really, if you think about, you know, the, the council is going to go through uh, like three different interviews. Um, and then we're going to make a decision March 1st. And then really, and really, once we get that new person up, then we can really start figuring out who we are as a, as a council and how do we tackle some of these issues. Wow. Do you know if there's been applicants yet? Is it, I mean, you know. Um, there, when I was, when I had meetings that said, uh, well, I guess it's on zoom, but there's at least six of them. Okay. Um, and that was as of Friday. So I would imagine that there's probably two or three more that are going to come in the, um, come in the, uh, door over the weekend. Right. So now following this process, uh, the appointment will be made during a city council meeting. Mm -hmm. And so, um, where would, I mean, if people are just completely unfamiliar, where do they find out when the city meeting, the city council meetings are happening? So if you city council meets every Monday night, the time, um, so we meet in a public meeting every other mo Monday night. So, um, you know, if it's Monday, we're meeting, okay. um, you can't, um, you can get the link off the website. If you just go to the Springfield, Oregon, uh, city government website, and you click on city council meetings, there's a link to, um, where you can watch it, where you can watch it on Zoom. We're switching to Zoom now instead of go to meeting. Um, and then there's all the packet of information. And one of the one of the interesting things is in public meetings. Um, this is a interesting question I get. That's all the information that we get. So there's a or where I go to download the information to read about the meeting and think about what's going on is that same website. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that yeah. means that we have the same information that's really good to know and i really encourage people to start tuning into those that's the beauty of this remote setup and i hope that long term that we actually consider keeping in, in some ways this um availability to the remote access because it allows like for me i play video games <laughs> well i'm well i'm watching it and so because some of it gets a little wonky you know there's a lot of talk about uh uh you know new housing developments and, and things like that. But I think it's really neat for people that have a base knowledge of, of how this stuff works to start to get familiar with it, you know? And so it's something that I've got two screens, I got my laptop, got my, my TV screen above it. And I just play video games and I watch you guys talk about what's happening. It's kind of interesting. So I, yeah. I intend on tuning into all of them. I, I, I can't wait to get back into the city hall building, right? Like I think it's easier to sort of in more, you know, to see, to see your colleagues work the room, work with the staff, it's just an easier physical environment. But I, I think you're right. Like, I think whatever, where, however that looks, we still have to be able to transmit, you know, stream, whatever term you want to use, but city council meetings need to be available online. We, we need to find ways to take comment, you know, a combination of physical comments and, you know, um, comments online as well. I think it's just how you run a city in the modern era. Yeah. And I think that it can be done with Zoom. I think that you can make it to where everybody has their own laptop sitting there and you've got the camera and then you use one audio stream, you know, yeah. and then you wouldn't have all the cutting out. So at least you get the feeds. I'm sure that it can be done and, and you guys are creative and you'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure, like, we'll figure it out. But I think the question I get is, hey, what happens when you guys go back? Are you going to go back to sort of, you know, you have to go down there? And I don't want to do that. Like I, I still want to, I, I still want to stream more city councilors. Right. One of the things that I have to say for us, uh, so my, 
girlfriend, Dana, is she's a data analyst for city council. So she's in a lot of the board meetings and a lot of the different stuff. <laughs> and we are in our own rooms at our computers and kind of our offices. And I can, whenever Chris McAllister, shout, shout out to Chris McAllister. He works tirelessly with work with the homeless community, the houseless community. And they're like, we have a guest uh, address from Chris McAllister. We both go, yeah. <laughs> and we cheer him on because Chris is, is very awesome. He does a lot of hard work and he's super involved in Springfield. There is some unsung heroes. Now, Chris ran for city council. Uh, in the primary, he was defeated, and then now by Corey Rodley's in Corey Rodley's seat. But he's just doing great work. I want to give him a shout out. So it's really cool to get to know more and more about these people. And that's just one example. There's so many people in our community that are doing such good work. You know, it's an interesting thing that I find about Springfield because, on some ways, we're we're definitely like a city that is growing and diverse. In some ways, we still have a really sort of local small town feel. One of the ways you do it is live like. You go, oh, look, I met that person. I see that person or I hear that person. Um, and it's very Springfield. It's very cool to be able to be like, oh, look, you're the person who does. Or people that you talk about, you get a call back from, you know, the city manager or the fire chief or somebody. They're like, how did that happen? Right. It's yeah. just a product of, you know, it's who we are. Right. Yeah. It's that sort of yeah. Practicality. So that get, you know, that leads me to a really important question. How do you think that we can increase volunteer participation with the city and other team Springfield partners? How can we boost civic participation in our town? Um, I think it's actually like some of some of the civic participation that I'm is helping that, you know, what Mark Molina is doing, I think is is good, right? Because it's sort of that those long form interviews. Um, what you know, people like you are doing with podcasts is good because it kind of gets us to, to discuss more, to get more flavor into it. Um, the best thing I would tell people is they just have to say yes, right? There's no sort of process that, you know, that we can do better, um, more, more. It's just like, Hey, look, we need everybody, right? We need people for boards and commissions. Um, there's a ton of them out there between school, all, all the team Springfield partners. Um, it's sort of the willingness, just encouraging people to sort of show up and share what your opinion is. Most people, when I talk about like, hey, do you want to sit on a budget committee? Um, they come back and say, hey, I, I don't have an accounting degree. And I'm like, whoa, well, sort of there's a staff that provides sort of professional you know, advice. We're not asking people to add up all the numbers. We're asking people to learn about the city and describe what in their experience they think is important in their neighborhood region across the city. Yeah. And that's that that's that's really the message that opens up volunteerism is un, just ex, explaining to people it's not the technical piece it's hey i use the city what is your opinion what is your experience how do i include that in whatever we're working on right and you mentioned mark molina mark molina and i've become really good friends he's the host of his own podcast and you know i think what's great is that him and i have such a different approach you know and so we have a different audience different target audience, different ways. But I'm really inspired to see what we've been able to do in a short time. As once I bought my house in Springfield, I started kind of directing the podcast to Springfield city government. And my goal is to learn so much more about Springfield. So then I can broaden it and start learning more about Eugene because Eugene is a much bigger animal to tackle, you know? And so I'd like to cover, I cover Lane County, but I've been doing a lot of stuff about Springfield and I've, I've been told a lot behind the scenes that people even in Eugene appreciate it because they just don't know anything about it. There's not a, a local news that's really gotten deep into covering the structure and how things are done. So that's kind of something that I've tried to tackle. And so I think Mark and I are doing a good job. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. I, anytime you guys talk about local issues, um, 
I listen to both your your podcasts uh, pretty regularly. Anytime you talk about local issues and try to understand how things go, because I think there's local government's really hard, right? Like we all we all grow up in the you know fifth grade where there's three tiers of you know, right. you know branches of government, and by the time you get to local communities, they differ and you have overlapping boards, and it's just a lot more complex and it takes a lot more learning. Right. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions, but before okay. I do, I need to give a shout out to my title sponsor. Oregon Cashflow Pro. Now this week with all of the news about the Wall Street Bets Reddit page and the GameStop and Dogecoin phenomenon, how uh, basically a bunch of independent small-time investors are trying to stick it to billionaires, <laughs> I think it's a really good time to check out Oregon Cashflow Pro because he is covering this very well. You know, he's got, I'll go to his YouTube page, Oregon Cashflow Pro or OregonCashflowPro.com. And James Barber, he's been my title sponsor since the very beginning of this podcast. He is covering this really well. So go check out what he's what he's doing at OregonCashflowPro.com. So now we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Uh, so now, what are you reading? What's What kind of books are you into? So um, I'm a big history book fan. Um, so I'm reading... Um, there a uh, book called Frederick Douglass by either like Taylor Blight um, that came out a few years ago. It's been on my bookshelf for a while. Um, and then I'm also reading um, 10, let's see if I get the title right, uh, 10 Lessons from the Pandemic by Fareed Zakari, which, you know, I think that that one's really, it, it's been really interesting. Um, and I just finished um, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, which was both inspiring and a little bit scary um at the yeah at the same uh yeah that yeah. I, i've recommended that one to a couple of people because of how much he's been sort of talking about you know machine learning and you know algorithms and you know all sorts of all sorts of things but like that's and i read a um and a lot of city packets and a lot of like city <laughs> generating material yeah i'm sure your eyes hurt after a while for sure you know, and staring at a computer screen and all that. I think there's a lot of us that can relate to that. Uh, on your Facebook profile, it says that you're a gamer. Well, uh, what does that mean? Is that video games? So not a lot of video games since the kids were born. Um, you know, I miss the old school NCAA football games. Uh, yeah. um, that didn't get that, you know, that stopped coming out. I don't remember if it was 13 or 14, right? Yeah, yeah. 14. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a huge fan of that game and I'm really crossing my fingers that they can bring it back around. I'm a big sports fan, sports game fan. And I noticed, you you know, we're both diehard Duck fans. And I think, I know you're super busy. So the video, the, a sports game, you can set your little season up. There's a perfect amount of games because you can play it like one hour a week or whatever and go through a season and it's perfect. You know, I played it more than that. We'll just say that. But, but. Uh, there's times in my life I, 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 play, I, I played it more than that as well. Or, you know, and when you play your favorite team for a while and then you start to sort of, you know, the coaching carousel is a ton, like, is, is a ton of fun. I also like a PC game, that the Total War series. Um, that's the Total War Rome and the Total War um, Shogun. And like, that's been a popular series since about 2000. Yeah, and a ton of fun. My favorite uh, computer game, actually, I played it on my iPad, is Civilization. Civilization, <laughs> where you uh, there's Civilization Six now, and oh my gosh, I've learned a lot about geography from playing it because when you take over a certain region, I Google it and I look at what it really is, and it's because it's not accurate the locations on the game, but that's a fun one, and I've learned a lot about. It's kind of crazy to admit I've learned a lot about the way that the global structure kind of 
I have a better understanding because of that game. I started playing it with Civilization 2, so that's been a long, long, long time. There's now, a, there's definitely an aha moment when you look at, you know, when, when you're, if it's games or, um, you know, books or TV shows, when you go, oh, look, that was happening at the same time, you know? Yeah, and there was a... Early on with Civilization, there was an encyclopedia feel to it because that was the same time that Encyclopedia Encarta. I'm showing my age. Oh, uh, I won't tell anybody. Right. And so uh, there was an encyclopedia push on digital formats at that time, you know, because I mean, I'm sure that a younger generation would be like, what's an encyclopedia? <laughs> you, know, you know, and yeah. So anyway, so now I'd like to ask this. What is uh, who is somebody that you admire as a historical figure or political hero? Oh man. Um, I haven't, I think I have an interesting take and then I'll tell you here's why the, um, in history, right? Like I find it interesting how many times big things like big doors of history swing on small hinges. Um, and I think it's really interesting when you study historical people, how there's moments when you find that are really inspiring and then there's moments where you're like, ooh, I really wish that wasn't a, an opinion or, right? Like in trying to reconcile, I think those two um, pieces of the human experience um, is really like, is really sort of critical to me, right? Like, is like, okay, you know, what makes us successful in this point and makes us sort of, you know, fail or like not, you know, not work out. And I think before, the other thing that I think is really interesting is we always know the end, right? So like when people make big decisions and you talk about sort of political heroes, right? They didn't know it was going to end that way. And that makes it way more inspiring to know that like, you know, when you look at how, you know, gritty Churchill is at times, right? He doesn't know the whole thing at, like World War II ends that way, right? And to have that sort of vision to say, this is something we have to do. This is how we, how hard we have to work. And then it's going to, you know, and not know that it's going to work out in the end or how, you know, Lincoln through it, the same just sheer willpower holds the country together at a point. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't so much admire um, individuals so much as I sort of have things I admire about individuals, sure. uh, you know, and um, you know, I, I really liked um, John McCain's last book because there's a part when he ends up and sort of kind of brings it back to the, the discourse that, that's in the community and are in the country. And he says, Hey, like we need to decide to be a country together. Yeah. Right. And so, um, if, if you go, but you know, you're seeing there's play, yeah, there's things that I look at everybody and I, every time I touch a history book, I learn something new about sort of the collective human experience. And I admire something about those folks. And especially people who see through moral clarity about where we need to go and drag the conversation through willpower towards towards that I find really courageous and really admirable. Yeah. Have you ever watched on Netflix the Untold History of the United States by Oliver Stone? No, I haven't. Um, it's on. It's definitely on the list because our our collective history is so much more complex. Yeah, and I want people to understand when I recommend this that I'm not saying that it's gospel, you know, because it's Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone is known for for a different perspective, but it's really really well done, and the music is great. And you know, they, you mentioned kind of how people make these decisions, like a Woodrow Wilson, for example. 
when he was basically enough, I could be getting this wrong. Maybe you know more about it than me. I would imagine you do, <laughs> but he was there when they, when they created the federal reserve, you know, and that decision is so there's so much implication in long-term and what it's done to change things, you know, that I don't think that that guy was an evil person, but there's a lot of people that look at it like, Whoa, this is a really take. I mean, it's just a huge, bold move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so Oliver Stone does a great job. So the untold history of the United States is something that I, I highly recommend. But again, you don't want to watch that doc, any documentary, really, you need to, I used to think of them as new as a, uh, you know, fact. And that's not what documentaries are. There's always bias. You know, there's always every media outlet has bias, you know, it's different. But I think that's, that's the reality of where we're at, right? Like, and everything that we make, we do as a community has pluses and minuses. Yeah. And I think a good engaged um, sort of citizenry sort of understands and just understands that, you know, that, that every, like nothing has a hundred percent upside there. There's in economics, there's this term, that I always find fascinating. It's like the third rule of economics, a professor told me. There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Yeah, for sure. Everything has cause and effect, for sure. Well, Mayor Sean Van Gordon, again, congratulations on the appointment. I think you're going to do a great job. Uh, I definitely intend on having you back on the show. My door is always open, even if it's virtual. As far as uh, if you need to reach the the audience and and you know you can reach my audience anytime you want. And I want to say thank you again for what I had kind of vaguely mentioned. I'm not going to get into the details. I had, I was on a on the community page, and this uh, this woman had said she had an issue of a situation, and she had posted about it, and she was just getting attacked. And I private messaged her and said, "Hey, I'm a precinct community person in your neighborhood. Uh, would you be willing to send me an email, tell me your situation, so I can pass it on to, to some of the connections I have on city council?" And I, I sent it to you, and you did basically just give us information on who to turn to. And I just, I was really inspired by the accessibility and the facts that you just, I know that she was honored that, that you were even took the time of day to give her a chance to, to feel heard, you know? And so that was really cool. So I think you're going to do good things in this community. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to call you a friend and I'm, I'm, I'm honored to get to know you better. And I appreciate you talking to us today. Uh, so yeah, uh, Mayor Sean Van Gordon, there's links in the show notes to where uh, the inf more information about the Ward 1 City Council seat. Also the link to your uh, Sean Va Mayor Sean Van Gordon Facebook page. And I encourage everybody, Springfield and otherwise, to follow that to see the exciting things that you continue to roll out. Like you said, you, you are confident in your social media skills. And so that'll grow as time goes on. So I'm going to end this with a song and I chose this song because it's called nature by a local band called cold fire and the Trent brothers, Adam and Dan uh, are members of that band. And it's just a, a cool song about in, enjoying nature. And I think in Oregon, we are so blessed with that. So I thought it was fitting. So this is cold fire with nature.
swear. 